You can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 138. We're going to be looking at a psalm, another psalm from David this morning. And I know that we've had a prayer, but I want to ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. And so if you'd pray with me, please. Lord, you say that your word is alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. And so, Lord, I pray that you would wield your sword this morning. Lord, I pray and thank you that you say it won't return void. And so speak, Lord. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 138. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. This is the word of the Lord. I have been um, reading some stories of Christians that um, we can learn from one another's stories, right? We just learn from Neil's story. Um, And so I've been reading some stories, and what I'm noticing is that within those stories, there's a plot twist. There's something that you're not expecting that comes up. And so I read a story about Archer and Jane Torrey and how that they um, established in Korea a place called Jesus Abbey, a place of faith, run in faith um, for prayer and for the um, encounter of the Lord. And so this place of prayer is in the mountainous area and suddenly it's a, wind, a snowstorm, not a windstorm, snowstorm, and they're in a very remote area, and they run out of food. All the kimchi's gone, all the squash is gone, and there's no food. Another plot twist. I read Beth Moore's recent um, autobiography that she put out, All My Knotted Up Life. And as I read her story, here's a woman that is called by God to a teaching ministry vocationally, and her husband has a fishing incident. He loves to fish 
in the Gulf of Mexico. And he's reeling in a fish, and um, the fish, he's so excited, he doesn't let it kind of wear out. And right as he gets the fish up there and is getting ready to reach down and get it, the fish jumps, and the dorsal fin hits one of his fingers and punctures it and hits the bone. But he's an avid fisherman, and so who cares? We're getting on with it because there's more fish to catch. And anyway, and so he goes on fishing, and um, what seems like such a simple thing, and yet it ended up with an incredible infection, needing specialist, needing um, like an incredible amount of different special antibiotics that then threw off his medicine that he had taken for years for um, post-traumatic stress syndrome and um, for bipolar. And four years. Horrible, miserable. All right, I read another story because it was just St. Patrick's Day, and so I thought, I need to refresh myself on this story of who is this guy and what did he do? What's the story behind, you know, the green, everything's green and shamrock shakes? Um, And so I look and and read um, about him and his story. Wow, talk about plot twist. Here um, he's on vacation with his parents in Britain, and Irish pirates steal him away and put him into captivity, enslaved in Ireland. He meets the Lord through a couple of dreams. The Lord tells him after six years of serving in slavery that there's a ship on the other side, and he escapes from his slave owner, goes back to Britain, studies to become a priest, and then the Lord calls him back as a missionary to Ireland. Hashtag plot twist, right? (laughs) David, the person of this psalm, the writer. What a life of many different twists. Youngest of the sons, anointed to be king. Long period of time, what's going on? I thought I was going to be king. He has a mentor. There's this very dysfunctional love-hate relationship because his mentor really appreciates his gifts and yet is jealous and wants to kill him. Talk about a plot twist. Um, David has many victories. He also has incredible sin, like we heard about last week, grievous consequences. At times, he's running for his life. Twists and plots, and we don't know exactly where in his life story he wrote this psalm. But this psalm, we could call it hashtag plot twist, hashtag praise. And so he calls us to praise. He repeats that three times. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will sing before the gods, he says, which could mean the supreme God, or it could mean rulers, authorities, angels. I'll sing in front of anybody about your praise, and I'll bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name. David tells us and teaches us praise. That word is yada. And so I want to do this to teach you what this means. So um, you repeat after me. Yada. yada. Thank you. Thank you. Yada. yada. Praise, you. Praise you. All right. Now, we're going to do hand motions too. All right. So yada. yada. Thank, you. Thank you. Yada. yada. Praise, you. Praise you. All right. So yada. 
in Hebrew means thank you. It means praise you. Thank you for what you do for us. Praise you for who you are. And his praise is founded on his love. It's his hesed, his faithful loving kindness, which is consistent with making a covenant. All right, so he is, David is praising him for his faithful loving kindness that's consistent because he keeps his word. And that verse 2, we can um, be sure that God's promises, his covenant promises, his loving kindness that he promises to us is faithful. It says, for you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. Now, maybe if you have an older NIV, it doesn't say it quite like that. That's the newest version of the NIV. The um, Holman Christian Standard Bible or the older NIV says it something more like this. You've exalted your name and your promise or your word above everything else. You've exalted your promise or your word above everything else. And so the idea of this is God is faithful and he'll stand behind his promises. All right? So he loves us and he promises us his love and he'll stand behind it. No matter what the circumstances, he will stand behind it. When life throws us a plot twist, we can remember God's faithful love and we can praise him. So when things are going well, when um, we say, boy, the sun is shining, it's a beautiful day, things are going great, um, thank you, Lord, for this blessing. I praise you that you have given me another beautiful day of life. But what about when things aren't going so well? What then? Well, we all at times have plot twists, don't we? Anybody? Can I get an amen? Um, maybe our lives haven't gone the way we thought they, we expected. By this point in my life, I thought this. Or maybe time keeps marching on. And we're still waiting on God to fulfill some of those prayers or some of those promises. We've been waiting. Feels like a plot twist. Maybe like going the wrong direction or a direction that we didn't want to go for a long time. Perhaps the plot twist is that we've just had difficulties dumped on us like one of those atmospheric floods. Maybe some of you feel like your life has just been a series of like, we watch those floods and what they're doing out in California, and maybe it just feels like difficulty upon difficulty has come in like a flood. Or maybe we're certain that we're going in the direction that God called us, but the challenges just seem to be around every single corner. They don't stop. Well, when life throws us a plot twist, what we don't do, I want to tell you what we don't do. We don't try to positive think our way through it. We don't see anywhere in here where David is telling us, just think positive thoughts. Um, No. He's also not telling us to try to find our own way or fight our own battles. He's certainly not telling us to give up. And he's not telling us to live in a life of denial because the very thing he says at the end is, do not abandon the works of your hands. Like he obviously says, there's trouble. 
He acknowledges that there's difficulty. So what David's example teaches us in this psalm is that we lift our eyes to God and we wholeheartedly trust him because of his hesed, because of his faithful, loving kindness to us. We can remember it. And so it's not this, I'm just going to praise my way through as if it was just um, a ritual, a mindless ritual that we do. I'm just going to put on the praise songs when things are hard. Um, There's something thoughtful. He talks about, um, I will praise you with my whole heart. And so it's being mindful that in this hard place, in this difficult time, in this unexpected situation, what I do is I remember who God is, I remember his promises to me, his solemn decrees. He said to the Israelites, I will be your God, and you will be my people. He says in Romans that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And so we remember who he is and his love toward us. We remember his promises, and then we cling on to them. That's where the praise, we praise him for his promises, we praise him for who he is, that he keeps loving us and keeps watching. And we can see where David's psalm teaches us these things, that we can wholeheartedly trust him in whatever plot twists, whether things are going well or difficult or challenging at the time. We can call on him because he answers when we call. He makes us bold when we're scared. Have any of you felt a little fear lately? He makes us bold when we're scared. He sees and preserves us when we're in trouble. And he saves and he vindicates us when we're attacked. A paraphrase of a quote that I read just recently said this, Satan's fiery darts of discouragement are not effective against us when we remember God's promises and we turn to praise. When Archer, Tori, and Jane found themselves with no food to serve their community and guest, they prayed. And miraculously, the next morning at the front door, when they're in a place that they, you know, they can't get to where the food supplied, here is a bag of rice. The Lord provided When Beth and Keith Moore went through this horrible situation for four years of this trial, they were sustained by God's promises of his love that they found in God's word, even though they were terribly tempted to doubt. St. Patrick, when he wrote his um, life story, he um, said this, As every day arrives, I expect either sudden death or deception, or being taken back as a slave, or some such other misfortune. But I fear none of these. I fear none of these, since I look to the promise of heaven and have flung myself into the hands of the all-powerful God who rules as Lord everywhere. He goes back to try to evangelize these violent pagan people And he puts his life at stake every day, not knowing, but kind of expecting that this is maybe not going to turn out good today. And yet he 
clings to those promises and stays so faithful to his calling. What an example to us about leaning on and grabbing hold of the promises of God's love and his provision. Let's get personal. Neil got personal with us. I just want to tell you what happened this week to me. I was feeling stressed out about the middle of the week about a couple of things. And then um, <clears throat> Dane came home and said something about another bank failed. And then I had read about the Russians downing the drone. And um, I started to feel like my heart was fluttering. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I am so anxious. And anyway, and I, I sat down in a chair. And as I sat there, the scripture came to my mind, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And I felt like the Lord was saying, trust me, trust me. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I just was getting caught up. I was getting distracted. The things of the world were starting to flare up. And anyway, and suddenly I just, I, I'm sitting there like, oh, Lord, I'm placing my trust in you because you love me and you gave your very son for me. I can trust you. And then suddenly I have the Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Oh, thank you, Lord. And suddenly I'm praising him. In my heart, I'm praising him. The peace comes. The anxiety lifts. This is what it is when we cling on to God's promises, his solemn decrees to us. Testimony of someone else that I heard this week have been going through a difficult time, went on a prayer walk, praying and praising in the spirit, in tongues, returned from the walk and said, I had no stress. None of their circumstances had changed, but the Lord had reoriented his affections. Suddenly, all of a sudden, there's this remembrance of this relationship that supersedes everything else. When things are hard, we recall his love and his promises. We lift our eyes up to him, and we suddenly, as we lift our eyes up to him, we remember his promises, and suddenly we turn to praise. We hang on to those promises. Are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? That's why we're in the scripture. It, we're not in the scripture just because of a routine. It's about a relationship. And he's made all these beautiful promises to us in his word. And so as we're in his word and putting, he's putting it on our hearts, then in every moment, in every plot twist, whatever happens, suddenly we have a remembrance that he's with us. And as I prayed and thought about this message, I just had a thought come to my mind, and I want to share it. I felt like that there's somebody or maybe somebody's in here that the Lord would like to give a particular promise to, to hang on to right now. It's for... Whoever of you has been going through a hard season, a long, hard season. And this, I believe the Lord says from Isaiah 43, and I'm going to read it. And if you feel like this applies to you, then you just say, Lord, I, I take that promise. You're making it to me specific today. This is what Isaiah 43, 1 to 2 says. For now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob. 
He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And I feel like the Lord would just encourage you with these words. He is with you, and you are coming through. He is with you, and you are coming through. Come join me, partner. Thanks. I just have this question bubbling up. It's a, it's a pastoral question. Um, who, who feels like <clears throat> um, I need help growing in these moments where I'm under duress, I'm under difficulty, I'm anxious, whatever it is the situation is that's pressing in on me, I need help remembering to turn to the Lord. If I can get to that place where it becomes, I just turn to Him and I engage with Him, then I know the fruit of His promises and His peace come. But I need help turning. It's not automatic and I, I find I go way too long before I turn. Just, just put up a hand if that's you. Just be okay. I feel like the Lord wants to uh, somehow gr- grow us in in that um, act of turning and receiving, turning and receiving. It's learning to live in more. He's with us, right? He's all always with us. I'm always with you. He's joined Himself to us. He's ever present. I mean, can you imagine that? It's just incredible. Every single promise, His name and His word exalted always with us but it's our awareness or our lack of awareness that really puts us at um in in the place where we we come under pressure and under duress and we don't experience the the things that he promises us so i don't know if we're going to go into prayer for a couple minutes before we worship but i just feel like the lord he wants to strengthen us in moment by moment awareness of his presence and the ability to turn to him and receive from him. Just as we, you got something? I sense yeah, something. Yeah. I, um, I wasn't planning on sharing this. Okay. But I think I will. Because it helped me and maybe it's a picture that will help you. I was worshiping the Lord on my Sabbath on Friday. And um, I wanted to hear my friend's um, son sing, Christ be all around me. Um, behind and before and Christ be all around me. And as I listened to that song and I was just worshiping the Lord, all of a sudden it was like I could picture the moment when I get to see Jesus. And I just fell on my face in front of him in my imagination. And I was thinking, I want to give you a gift. But I can't bring anything with me except my love and my praise and all the other people that maybe believe in him and praise and love him too. But in that moment, I just felt like I can't give him an accomplishment. I can't bring him anything from this reality to that. And I thought, the thing I can bring him 
is to love him and to praise him. And that that picture just makes me think, I want to live my life every moment in intimacy with him and friendship with him. No matter what's going on, I want to turn to him so that when that time comes, I'm just full, mm-hmm. <laughs> full of praise. Yeah. So. I think the Lord's um, given, given me a prayer to start with, so I'm just going to pray it, mm-hmm. and, um, and we'll see where he takes us, okay? Yeah. Lord, you, you, you tell us in view of the gospel in Romans 12 to have our minds renewed. And I want to pray right now that you would give a a renewing or a reconditioning of our minds, O Lord. We've grown so accustomed in this world to not being aware of your presence. But we pray now that you would recondition our minds to be ever aware of your holy, loving presence with us. Lord, would you make it so that we're you're more real and we're more aware of you than we are of the things that we see. Mm-hmm. And Lord, this is your desire for us. You made us for communion. You've drawn us back to you for communion. You're drawing us to the place where when you return, we're around a table with you, a feast, where... This, you picture this city that needs no light because you are its light. Mm-hmm. And we walk by that light. Lord, you've made us for communion. We pray right now, Lord, that you'd take us deeper in experiencing that communion with you. Day in and day out. Aware of your presence. And Lord, you know what shifts need to take place in our, in our minds, in our hearts, our spirits. Help us to be aware of your presence so that we can experience the fruit of your presence, but also so that we can bear it out as light into this world, Lord. I pray, Lord, especially that if there are hindrances or obstacles or things that stand as particularly in the way of of one or another of us, of living with that awareness, that you would highlight those things, that you'd remove those things. And Lord, I pray that uh, just as your word says that you turn everything toward the good of those that love you, I pray that you would recondition us to see obstacles and difficulties as things, as invitations mm-hmm. to turn to you. Yeah. That whatever's meant to discourage, whatever's meant to harm or to hinder or to weigh down would be a, a thing that's, that turns us. Lord, thank you that you're present. Lord, thank you that, that you'd use the things that we face to help draw us deeper into remembrance of the promises that you've made and that somehow we'd get strengthened through the difficulties. Lord, I thank you that you are clearing our focus, that we can see you seated on the throne 
in every moment. Mm-hmm. In every moment worthy of praise. Mm-hmm. In every moment we're secure in you. In every moment you're attentive to us. Mm-hmm. Lord, thank you that you're removing a veil. And that you're helping us to walk closely in fellowship with you and in friendship with you. Mm-hmm. In trust of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.